All right, everybody. Welcome to the OPSRC podcast. Episode 10. Episode 10 right here. And uh, in this episode, Sarah's not even going to say anything. I, uh, As usual, I'm your host, Ben Parker, and I have with me uh, the lovely Sarah Julian. I'm just breathing creepily in the background. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hi, we're, everybody. We're off to a, roar, a roaring start. <laughs> Greetings, y'all. That, uh, that's for uh, that's a shout out to Mr. Jeff Pritchard right there. And we haven't even y'all. had anything to drink yet today, guys. We have not. Okay, so... Bunch of coffee, though. Um, so this is episode 10, and in this one, we're still in the role of series. So we're going to talk about the role of agriculture and education with Jack Stats and Tyler Norvell. I'm super excited about this. We actually recorded this before Christmas, just now getting to release it. So super excited about this conversation. But as always, before we get there, we want to talk about some things that are happening. So uh, first, I want to just go ahead and say uh, I do Google training. Don't know if anybody knows it. Shocker. <laughs> Shocker. I talk about Google all the time. And, uh, and this week, me and a fellow team member, Zach, we're going out to San Francisco to the Google Next conference, going to learn about all kinds of cool things that are happening at get your, Google. Get your nerd on. Get our nerd on. And we're going to find out about all the new stuff. And then I'm going to be excited to bring some of this back and come to your school districts and do some training on it. So if you want some training on on Google Apps, G Suite. And for all this new training that's going on, she'll be giving, how much does this cost schools? Oh, this is a great question. Thanks for teeing it up for me. It is free. It doesn't cost anything. So love to come out to your district and talk to your teachers and your staff about uh, Google Apps and, and how uh, you guys can use it in your district. So yep. um, Sarah, I know you've got some things that are probably much more important than what I just said. Well, so. not really, but still important. But still. <laughs> but still. I mean, come on. It's more important. <laughs> all right. So this week, you know, I've, I've been going to all of the education committee meetings up at the Capitol. Um, this week, there aren't any specific um, to education, so I won't be up there. Uh, and, and we do provide that information out in our um, weekly Friday news blast that we send to our member schools. But I think I'm going to start posting that as a blog um, entry as each day occurs and, and just give you the latest on what's been passed, what bills failed, that sort of thing. So be on the lookout for that. You, I will post links to that information on our Twitter and our Facebook pages. What? How do I find our Twitter and Facebook pages? So here's what you do, Ben. If you're if you're new to the, I Twitter just log one up to you as well. <laughs> Let's go ahead and make this Man, easy. I don't know, but this uh, the team. What did I call us? PJ. Yeah, the, P- team, the team, team PJ. This yeah. is uh, these are not exactly hard hitting <laughs> questions right here. Uh, um, yeah, we're just knocking out of the park though. So on Twitter, you can just go go to twitter.com. And if you want to go straight to our page, you can do twitter.com slash OK underscore PSRC. Love it. Our Twitter handle is OK underscore PSRC. And our Facebook is you can just search for Oklahoma Public School Resource Center or you can go to facebook.com slash OKPSRC. I know it's kind of confusing, but... That's the way it was set up before I came along. Things were stolen from us. Yeah. Actually, people had acronyms before us. Okay. But that's okay. So it's really important that you guys follow us. Um, Every single day I post all sorts of resources and articles that I think are beneficial to educators and education leaders. And it's good stuff, you guys. Thank you. And, um, And that's on Twitter, Facebook. But we're also... 
improving our Pinterest page. So if you haven't visited that in a while, check out Pinterest.com. Is Pinterest still a thing? It is. Okay. I Ma- didn't. Maybe not for the big time nerds. Listen, you don't have to be a woman <laughs> to have a Pinterest no. account. There's Educa- some good stuff on there. Educators have taken this platform by storm and they have just taken it over. There's all sorts of uh, classroom decorations, lesson plan ideas, all sorts of stuff. So check it out. Uh, we have a whole bunch more um, boards that we've created specific to different areas of curriculum. Um, uh, Pinterest.com slash OPSRC. Um, if you get confused, go to our website, OPSRC.net. You can get access to all of those accounts there. There are links to connect you to those um, social media platforms. So follow us on those to get the latest and greatest information about what's going on. Um, Also, I wanted to give myself a plug for a training that I do offer, mostly for superintendents, but anybody who serves in a spokesperson capacity for a school, um, it's important to know how to talk to the media. Um, so I offer a training on media interviewing techniques. So if you're not if you're not comfortable with doing that, or I mean, if you're a rural school, you don't have to deal with the media a lot of times, but it's becoming more and more frequent that that is happening. So know how to talk to them, what sorts of words to avoid, what things that you should say. I can um, come out to you guys and offer uh, brief trainings on on that, and we can do a little role play so you can get practice on on what works best and what doesn't. It's perfect. Yeah. And then the other thing that people need to know about is the Superintendent's Advisory Council coming yes. up. So when is that? We've got that coming up again on April 19th. It's from 10 to 2 here at OPSRC. Uh, what? OPSRC. <laughs> OPSRC in Oklahoma City. And we are um, talking about some new a new statute that's been put into place. And Jason Perez or one of his cronies will be coming in to talk about that. We say cronies. Cronies, affectionately. Yeah. One of his homies. One of his homies. (laughs) I love it. And and so and so just so you guys know, Superintendents Advisory Council is just a council we have of rural superintendents who come in. Um, we have great conversations about things that are going on in, in education in the state of Oklahoma. And we talk about things that are affecting us. It's a great way for you to network, for you to tell us what you need as school exactly. districts. And member, not a member, we don't care. We'd love for you to show yeah, up and, absolutely. and and you know have your voice heard. Well, I think you know that's 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 the important thing is is having their voice heard. I think a lot of times the smaller rural schools, especially ones way out in the middle of nowhere, sometimes feel like they aren't a part of the conversation. So we want to make sure that everyone's voice counts and your needs are being met as well. So. Um, please come to that. You can register on our website, OPS. Uh, man, I can't talk today. What is O-P-S-R-C. wrong with me? OPSRC.net. <laughs> well, it, oh, in, and, and in, what's bad? I'm the communications director. <laughs> well, in your defense, <laughs> you had to say OK underscore PSRC yeah, and OK PSRC. It's just a so tongue twister all over the now place. Now there's stuff, but if you want to go to our website, OPSRC.net. Yes. And you can find the upcoming events page and just click on that, register, you're in. Sounds great to me. Easy as whatever. I love it. (laughs) Do you feel like this thing's really come off the rails in the past two minutes? Yeah, it really has. Yeah, it's all right. It's Monday, man. We're still really good at this. Yeah. I don't care what anybody says. I think it's fun. You know, we we bring humor to it and a little lightheartedness. We're funny people. We're giving good information. And you're about to hear you're about to hear a great interview with with, uh, some some great people about the role of agriculture and education. Yes. So 
We hope you enjoy this. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. And we look forward to coming back next week with some more cool stuff. Ciao. Later. everybody welcome to the oklahoma public school resource center podcast my name is ben parker and i am the director of technology here at the resource center we are uh, recording this podcast also streaming live on facebook so for those of you who are watching there so uh, today i have with me uh, brent bushy who is our executive director uh, here hello there and uh, also with him is um, mr tyler norvell who's the executive director of the oklahoma youth expo also a proud board member of the Oklahoma Public School Resource Center. That's right. <laughs> and then we have uh, Mr. Jack Statz, who is the um, Agricultural Education State Program Manager, also state FFA advisor. Is that right? Yeah, that is correct. All right. So now I've, I've got it all correct. I just want to – titles are hard for me. I can't even remember what my title is half the time. So now we've got that out of the way. Um, so one of the things that one of our staff members here uh, – I'll just go ahead and name them out loud. Sam Dwell. Um, great guy. He had an idea for our podcast. He, he thought that we should cover the roles of just different uh, positions and, and different areas in education. You know, what, does it, what does it mean for, you know, what, what does a superintendent actually do? And, and, you know, what is science and technology, you know, engineering and math, and, and how does that work? And so we're actually, this is the first podcast in that role series. And so we're going to talk about the role of agriculture in education. Um, and so, uh, Jack, why don't you start us off and just talk a little bit? I don't want to put you on the spot, but why don't you talk a little bit about what it is you do as a state program manager for, for ag e- education, and, and, and what does that mean? Well, I would tell you that uh, basically we're involved in about 350-some, you know, odd schools in the state of Oklahoma. We have, uh, we're involved with over 28,000 students. Plus the fact we have over 430 teachers that we're involved with in the comprehensive high school. I would tell you that our resources, or I guess our main objective, is simply to administer agriculture education to those students and to the communities. We try to work mainly when we're trying to talk about agricultural leadership, uh, motivation, and, and just how we involve ourselves in the public school administration or public school resources itself. Okay. I like that. That's a really good answer. You're like an old hand at this, by the way. It's like you've been on the radio a few times. That was really smooth. Uh, Tyler? One question. The the 28,000 students, these are all high school students? These are basically... I would say that uh, probably just to come up with a percentage, I wouldn't, you know, I would come up with over 95% of them. Some of them we still have within our FFA membership are Mm -hmm. students that are basically that are like two years after graduation or could even be up to three years after graduation from high school that we still consider them active FFA members in the state of Oklahoma so that that can be involved in uh, all kinds of SAE projects with the supervised agriculture experience of some kind where they can delegate themselves to like career expectations, to maybe an American FA degree, to part of the proficiency award applications that they try to uh, fulfill after graduation. We try to keep those kids in the loop. Uh, we want them to be involved in agriculture. And FFA is a 
Is that a national nonprofit? What is that as an entity? Well, probably most people used to know it and, and refer to it as, uh, you know, Future Farmers of America. Yep. Uh, a few years ago, mm-hmm. uh, that name was changed to where it basically just said FFA. Okay. You know, and uh, because I think we had some people back east or whatever that was maybe a little offensive that they didn't want, want to be called uh, farmers. But by the same sense, we're still talking about a youth organization, a nonprofit youth organization that is trying to fulfill the requirements uh, of what we want to do in agriculture education. Uh, you know, that uh, organization uh, delves itself into community service, delves itself into, uh, you know, local service and even to national service of any kind that it can. But basically what we're trying to do and realize that, you know, most of the time, You've heard that old adage, and you've heard it thousands of times, and it's used in thousands of speeches every year when young people do it, is, you know, by the year 2050, we're going to have to feed double the amount of people that we've got. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, even though we have, and, and find out in the state of Oklahoma, maybe we're only one generation, a lot of us removed from the farms, Yeah, we still don't know much about agriculture, or we forgot a lot about that heritage, that advantage. Uh, for example, uh you know, we ask a legislator, and I'm not putting any of them on the spot, but like, you know, uh, like, what about the cost of uh, your eggs, you know? Well, what happens in agriculture doesn't affect that much because for the simple reason, I just buy mine in the grocery store. Well, <laughs> they just show up. You know, uh, plain and simple, we may be talking about simplicity to the rest of us, but by the same sense, we've got to continue to tell people about all the agriculture, how agriculture delves in their lives every day. Oh, I, I mean, that's I mean, it's a great answer, and you're not wrong about that at all. I mean, you know, I, like I grew up, well, like we had a garden, but we by no means farmed, and my parents put me to work in it, and, and I'll be honest, uh, my interest level wasn't as high as it should have been. <laughs> so now, like, you know, I'm interested in getting cucumbers to pickle and all this fun stuff, and so I'm always, you know, I call my parents, hey, when do you start, you know? And so my mom always quotes my grandpa to me and, you know, that sort of thing. And then I forget every year. So, uh, But those so, are conversations like, you know, I've got two little girls. And uh, about, about three, four months ago, we started to have the conversation of, you know, what is this animal I'm eating right now? You know, <laughs> yeah. the, 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 the meat doesn't grow at the grocery store in styrofoam with, you know, with cellophane around it. But, you know, like, you know, so then we'll be driving along eating hamburgers, looking at cows, <laughs> you know, and right. like all of a sudden they go, wait a minute, you know. But that's the stuff that if you don't make that connection, then you don't understand the importance of it. No, it's absolutely true. So so that's a little bit of what, what, what you do. So, Tyler, what, what is it that, that you guys do at the Oklahoma Youth Expo and what's your role there? Really, we're the hands-on production agriculture experience of the FFA. Um, we are the world's largest junior livestock show, open only to Oklahoma kids. Uh, we'll have 7,000 kids compete each year, 13,000 head of animals. And we work with all the ag educators throughout the state and all those schools, uh, all the county extension agents. Uh, we have at least one student, really five to hundreds per county of all 77 counties compete. But we are the junior livestock show in Oklahoma City every spring and you know i grew up in the program just like jack did and i grew up on a farm just like jack did and really didn't appreciate the hands-on experience i got through showing livestock and growing livestock the end of the food chain just kind of like brent was talking about mm-hmm. um and i kind of took that for granted that there's a lot of kids that don't grow up on a farm now and that's where they get their hands-on experience you know that they spend a year raising an animal and at the end it either goes into production to raise more animals or it enters the food chain, but yet they appreciate the, the, uh, how special life is, but that, you know what, I'm growing animals to feed my fellow man. 
you know, that this is a bigger than me. So we're the Junior Livestock Show, but but now, you know, back when Jack was an FFA, and even when I was an FFA, a couple of years down the road past Jack, you know, we maybe didn't. Most of the kids that were involved were all production agriculture. You know, their families farm, their grandpa farm. But that's not the case now. I mean, you see schools like Jinx, Edmond, where else, Jack? Big schools. Uh, Tulsa Webster. Tulsa we've Webster. Got, uh, we've got Norman. We've got uh, programs in Moore, Newcastle. Yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, that are showing livestock that in the past were non-existent. But now, Owasso. Yeah. I mean, we've got a lot of programs that we consider them to be urban, but mm-hmm. yet uh, programs that we feel like that that agriculture influence is become very important. Uh, you know, not only are we trying to talk to young people about how to raise livestock, how to raise plants, how to, uh, I guess, just to where their place is in the agriculture industry. You know, if you want to get right down to it statistically, however you want to figure it, about 65% of our economy is based upon agriculture one way or the other. You could even get more, you get less based on what how what you occupations that. you want to define. But by the simple uh, premise again, uh, everything from leadership to the roles that they play in rural communities, uh, you know, one of the things that we're very proud of that uh, we've talked about is we partnered uh, about five years ago now with uh, OSU Medical School out of Tulsa, and we have a project or a program that's called uh, Blue Coats to White Coats, which actually has uh, developed into an agricultural degree that actually gives uh, a young person an opportunity that comes out of high school, can go into an agriculture field through Oklahoma State University and get pre, uh, get early admittance into med school at OSU hmm. with a commitment for those young people to go back to rural areas. You know, what a great opportunity for those young people or a great opportunity uh, for them to go back and talk about rural Oklahoma, for them to not only talk about the importance of rural Oklahoma, but just a, a, what an influence that they can have. Uh, you know, another program that I can think of that, uh, you know, we try very, very hard to get people to become lifelong learners, lifelong uh, givers, uh, make sure that they know about community service, know what their portion is and how it relates between agriculture and the local communities. Uh, like last year, uh, you know, I, I laughed like three years ago, guys, uh, state officers said that we're going to have a Maybe if we could get 10 animals donated, 10 uh, hogs donated to be harvested, we would give them to the regional food bank. If we could just get 10. Well, that first year it grew to a program that we basically, uh, those young people donated about 50. The last year, which I'm so excited, our young people donated over 515 head of livestock to the Oklahoma Food Bank to the regional, regional food bank out of Oklahoma City or Tulsa, yep. which boiled down to the fact uh, of uh, over 770,000 pork sticks that went into the backpacks for kids program. That's uh, amazing. And I'll tell you, they've got a goal this year that they're going to get to a million. And our partnership with Oklahoma Farm Bureau, with OYE, how we've done some things. And these young people, they're going to become lifelong learners, and they're going to learn how agriculture ties into the production, plus how that they're going to become lifelong servants to other people. And, and you know, I think uh, what an opportunity for an organization to step forward and make sure that those young people are involved in those activities. I think volunteering is important, and I'd volunteer to take one of those hogs. So. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, something else the kids learn through FFA and our program 
is, you know, they have to take care of their livestock year-round. Like when it's cold outside right now, 20 yeah. degrees, there's kids outside in that weather right now breaking ice, watering cattle. That's awesome. Walking hogs. I mean, they learn work ethic. I mean, when I started working at Oklahoma Farm Bureau 10 years ago uh, this month, um, I remember at 5 o'clock they said go home, and I thought, what's that mean? You know, because we're just used to working all the time. But that's where I developed my work ethic, where a lot of kids now develop their work ethic. I opened my first checking account when I was in third grade when I bought my first project. I learned how to man- balance a checkbook in third grade because I had to have the money, buy the feed. Yeah, that, that's the part that's so cool is, you know, we think when you say agriculture, at least the, the, the first thought that I'm conjured up is, you know, you just think of a field and you think of, you know, the farming and whatever. But what I think is really exciting is I've talked to ag teachers out in, across the state is, all of cross training is one way to describe it, right? Like all of the different skill sets that go into farming. Um, you know, the other piece you mentioned STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. And there's more science and math in, in farming than really in any other industry, I would think, now, nowadays with, with, with the way things are. What types of ag programs do you see with that, with the, with the different science programs? And, well, I tell you that I just, to become blank, uh, or I guess blunt, that we're just trying to make sure that STEM is involved and let young people know how much STEM is involved in all aspects of agriculture. Yeah. Uh, today, uh, in fact, it's become interesting. Today was one of the in-services that we had for teachers. We had over 90 teachers in, and we talked to them about agri-science and agri-science projects and what they're going That's to cool. do as far as uh, what projects does those young people involved in their agriculture programs that can it's just science related uh what they can gain from them and how that they can uh develop any type of program and uh last year uh for the first time i mean we had over 19 young people that received recognition at the national award for their work as, in uh, agri-science and uh so we're extremely excited about that opportunity uh again it's not necessarily to say hey let's teach science but let's just turn around the other side and say that we teach agriculture with enough rigor and relevance that we're showing them what science really is, that we're putting a hands-on. Do you know what the catchphrase in education that is? Project-based education. Oh, yeah. And when yeah. we, did, we I mean, just talk it. You know, we yeah. talk the old form, which is probably as true as anything. We talk yep. about hands-on education. Yeah, that's and, it. And when you do that, when you talk about the relevance that's been established through career tech, agriculture education, uh, hands-on education – we find out that probably, you know, again, according to what figure you want to use, but over 90% of our young people actually learn better when they put their hands on something. Yeah, because you see, I think the biggest piece there is, you know, as a kid, I, I remember in high school asking this question and my classmates asking this question and working in a school hearing this question, why do I need to learn this? Like, When am I ever going to use this ever again? Yeah. And then, but to be able to go out and, and work in the real world, and actually see where I'm applying a lot of what I'm learning. I mean, that's when you go, okay, yeah, no, this is valuable, and I, I really should try to retain some of this because I'm, I'm going to have to use it, you know. And the application, you know, one story I always tell is I grew up on a construction site. My family was in construction. And I remember taking geometry and then showing up at the site, and my grandpa said, what are you guys working on? I said, oh, we learned the Pythagorean theorem today. He says, well, what's that mean? And I said, you know, A squared plus B squared equals C squared. And he said, okay, what's that mean? And I said, I don't know. And he said, great. See that wall over there? Here's the code book. I want to tell you how big a window do we have to build for it to be to code. And he throws it to me, and I said, well, what's that got to do with the Pythagorean theorem? 
And sure enough, you've got to figure out, you know, you had to figure out the math, and I had to figure out what the uh, what the diagonal was across in order to to make sure that the window was large enough. I'll never forget the Pythagorean theorem because it, it, it directly applied. It actually made sense in the real world. Yeah, and well, and that's what we've heard a lot about. You know, I've talked a lot, Brent, about, you know, when we were out in the countryside the last couple of months doing our study on rural education. Yeah. You know, that kids need hands-on experience. They're not, there's no application to the real world, real world what they're learning in the classroom. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's so, what so, FFA does. So what kind of things did you see in that? Though, like, like, can you give specifics about where, where maybe? Yeah, yeah. The, the study will be out, released publicly at the end of next month, uh, end of January. But, you know, Brent and I, through our relationship, I would, popped off one day that nobody go, ever goes and asks the parents and business leaders in rural Oklahoma what they want out of their education. And when we went out and did our dozen focus groups throughout the state with, you know, people from all walks of life in those areas, it just being frank is a little depressing what we found out mm-hmm. you know that kids don't have just practical not so, not only soft skills but just practical sense anymore you know uh, one guy from alva told us that he hires 10 kids per summer to come work for him and he's yet the last two summers have a kid that knew how to pull a dipstick on a lawnmower wow you know and just basic stuff like that and it's it's concerning that we're almost we're failing our kids, but yet everywhere we've gone, and I'm not saying this because Jack's here tonight. You've read the report, you know, yep. as all of them said. The one place our kids are getting hands-on experience is FFA, is yeah. 4-H, is career tech, and those things where they're out in the shop and they're learning. I mean, we had two guys, one in western Oklahoma and one in eastern Oklahoma, that are the main hire. They do the hiring for their companies, machine shops. Separate and apart, both of them said, when a kid comes in interviews with a high school degree, we take them behind the building. We tell them to show us where an inch and a quarter is on a tape measure, and if they can show us, we hire them. And I said, what percentage can do it? They said barely 50%. Wow. And that's a concern. I mean, that's a huge concern. That's going to be in this report. And, you know, in no way in this report are we coming out with solutions to these problems. It's just a finding of, look, legislature, look, people in the countryside, this is where we're at. How are we going to address this? Is this is what's important. This is what's important. No, we. I mean, we had this conversation not long ago when we we were having a conversation. I can't remember with who about science, technology, engineering, math, and and one of uh, one of the guys from the oil industry telling us that you know they can't find anybody to work on machinery in the oil field. They're having to bring guys out of retirement to come back and work on it just because there's no knowledge. You know, being passed down. I mean, that's the same. No yeah. knowledge being passed down. It, and it backs up what we hear. Our, our organization, Oklahoma Youth Expo, we're a nonprofit, so we are driven off entry fees from the kids, but mainly from sponsorships. And where we've really grown, and Jack's a board member of OYE, like I am of the Resource Center. Um, but where we've grown is getting sponsorships from non-traditional ag companies in Oklahoma mm-hmm. City that we didn't even know who we were. But whenever they come to us or I go and meet with them, they say we want to sponsor and help these kids. Yes, but mainly we want to be a part of your program because whenever those kids graduate, we want them to know who we are so they'll come to work for us because they're the kids that show up to work on time, can pass a drug test, and have common life skills. Yeah. And, I mean, that's where we're at, and it's very concerning. Yeah, so, I mean, so when we talk about the role of ag in education, and and this can get controversial in a, in a lot of ways, but you know we've education we've, can get controversial. Yeah. So we've really, I mean, but if you think about it, we've moved to a, a part where it's high stakes testing, and it's all about the test, and it's about this knowledge so they can pass a test, and they can get a driver's license, they can go to college, they can graduate. Um, do you feel like we've? Because I do, I feel like we've dropped a lot of like like you said, soft skills or just even the mechanic. And and maybe I'm going to get punched sitting next to this guy saying this, but yeah, okay. I mean, college maybe not. 
be for everyone, right? And and so like I, 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 I have disagree with that at all. I have a lot of friends who graduated high school and instantly went to work at Mid America Industrial Park in 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 uh, Mace right. County there. Um, and they were able to do that because of the education they got at Locust Grove. And we had a great ag program, had a good shop program. And so they had been exposed, and they were able to go get work, and they got good work. And, and I feel like there are a lot of schools that they've lost those programs, and it's not only had an impact on, on kids and students and schools, but it's having an impact on, on industry, right? Yeah, it's, that's exactly what our study found is that maybe college isn't for everybody, that we need to do a better job in the schools and even – as a society, parents in the area of going to kids and saying, hey, you know what? You may not w- want to go to college, but hey, here's an opportunity in FFA, which FFA is part of the career tech or at your local career tech to develop skills because you can look around at the community I grew up in and there's a lot of kids that went to career tech and went straight to work that are making six-figure salaries. Yeah. And there's people I graduated with that are still close to six figures in debt and barely getting by. You know, But if they'd have yeah. taken a different path and maybe had a little more guidance, and you're right, there's tons, of, and Jack can elaborate on this, FFA students that graduate, and they did a good enough being taught by their FFA teachers. They didn't even have to go to career tech. They went right into the, you know, and they're yeah. the best workers they've got. So, I would tell you, you know, it, it is so good. Probably one of the things that, that really goes hand in hand with that. You know, I think that, the, that maybe those responsibility skills, those uh, teamworking skills, those, uh, I'm just going to call them basic leadership skills that those young people are uh, attuned to or atoned to and, and develop. Uh, they become really, really good. They become life, lifelong learners, you know, to the point that they can succeed in higher education. They can go to career tech. They can go to junior college. They can go to associate program. But they always will continue to seek more knowledge, and they'll always know how to, to, to lead. They'll know how to identify themselves as to what they need, where they want to move to, what they see in their future. Uh, you know, and, and one of the things that, that we forget so much anymore, too, and, and I don't want to go and I don't want to forget this point, too, is, the, is when I just talk about leadership, the ability for a young person to stand in front of somebody, to speak their mind, to tell them out their opinions, and to really display what is on their mind and how to convince somebody that their opinion is right, wrong, or indifferent. Uh, for example, you know, I, I'm so proud that our young people within uh, in the last six years on a national stage we have won a division at the National Public Speaking Contest uh, and through FFA. And I will tell you that uh, I would be convinced or I would just be remiss to say I would put our public speaking against anybody, nation, state. I took, I took part in that. You know, and, and what I would tell you is that I've had people that, uh, you know, a couple of times I would just tell you they're so knowledgeable about their subject and so uh, they become so in tuned about what they believe in and what they want to research that a couple of times that our kids have been beat nationally because when they moved into a second or third round of questioning, their speech was so in-depth and it was so difficult to understand that people didn't know the questions to ask them so that they'd get the full amount of points. <laughs> Those young people truly believe in what they do. And, and, and I think that that becomes something that they are just – they're in tune with. It's not something all of a sudden. It's it's a belief. It's what they want to do, and it's the qualities that they are taught on how to study, where to go, how to lead, how to teamwork. Uh, for example, I don't. I've never had an FA kid that got thrown in with somebody that says, "Here, try to figure this out," and that they did not know how to approach that situation. They may know nothing about it, but they know the steps. They know the processes. 
to go forward and to take part in that, that they can come up with a final analysis. And I, I think that's great. That's a skill that, uh, regardless of what level we step into. That's the great thing FFA's done from, you know, gen- my dad's FFA generation to mine is it's more about, it's as much about leadership and teaching how to public ski, speak and those soft skills. And one of our focus groups, a uh, woman uh, said, I didn't grow up in FFA. My kids are in it now. I didn't grow up in it. But when I went to OSU, I was behind all those FFA kids that went through the leadership. She said, I hated going up against them and interviewing. She said, from the kids <laughs> that were state officers and the speech winners to the kids that were just, you know, just good FFA members, it teaches them across the board. And that was another comment we got. Nobody knows how to interview or dress for an interview. Yeah, it's and, true. And that's where I learned those things. I, it was implement. I mean, really the biggest thing is, uh, from our study, I keep talking about it, is the breakdown of the family. You know, it's just the, the support's yeah. not at home that it used to be. And luckily, most of the kids in FFA have good support. But even the ones that didn't, I can tell you success story after success story, they had no home life, that the ag teacher in the FFA program changed their life and taught them the leadership almost, skills they needed. It's almost like ag's a misnomer. It's like common sense and good education. Well, the program. Yeah. So, Mike, my question, the question I have about it all is, in you know, we've seen a decrease of funding in, in Oklahoma education and, and uh, you know, especially in rural areas, some schools struggling. Has that has that hurt the FFA and, and ag programs in those areas? And and what's that like? And what what's the future hold? Like what what does that look like? Because that's something I'm personally well, I guess, curious about. Uh, I guess it'd be easy to say it's sure it's hurt them. You know, for the simple reason uh, I think most of them, just like everybody else in common education, you know, or in comprehensive schools. Uh, yeah, it's hurt them. Funding is always hurt uh, because with money you can always do some more things, and you know you have the opportunity to modernize, to change, become more digitally aware, whatever you want to say that you can do. But I will also say that I think that people have been very inventive to carry on with uh, you know what needs to happen. Uh, FFA has been very good, I think, at going out try to have an alumni relationship, try to have a foundation relationship that they actually have sponsorships, they develop money, they develop avenues so that they can continue to run their kids through great programs and become still involved with uh, great venues to build those leadership skills and, uh, and to, stay, to stay up with what everybody else is doing, which I, I think that's wonderful. That's great. Yeah, and I don't know if he can mention this, but I will. But there was one FFA chapter uh, in particular, I won't say the name of the town, but folks will probably figure it out that uh, their program was going to be in bad trouble and they were going to lose a teacher and the community came up with a salary to keep that teacher. That's That's how important the community knew that program was. Yeah. I mean, so I grew up in Locust Grove and they have an incredible ag program and uh, I can't imagine that school without that program. You know, I mean, it's just hard to imagine how it would even work because there's so many kids who go through that program and I mean, it's such a giant part of their lives mm-hmm. and who they are. I can't can't imagine it not being there. And, and I think it's on top of, I think you said it best, I think it's about being a citizen. It's about being a, a leader. It's about how to take part in everyday life, look somebody in the eye, give an answer. You know, there, there's so many things that happen there that maybe don't happen in a classroom necessarily, you know. And I, I do have one serious concern here. Is, um, so I'm a proud Michigan State Spartan. Proud land grant university, just okay. like uh, Oklahoma State University. Um, ben went to that other school here in Oklahoma, or he cheers for the, the the other school here in Oklahoma. But um, the FFA coats are blue, and they have yellow lettering, and that is a problem. So something I think we need to work on. Yeah. You know, the uh, the grass is green. 
Clouds are white. I think that we need to move from blue and gold to green and white, folks. I grew up past that. <laughs> I think you need to go back 100 years. You're going to be in trouble suggesting things like that. Stripes on the helmet and the whole work. Right? There you go, yeah. You start wearing stripes on the helmet, we're going to have a war on ag in this state. Yeah. I, I had a feeling that you'd believe that. Uh, but any time that we talk about agricultural education, guys, and we talk about young people involvement in what they do, uh, I think it is an absolute... The greatest program that I think it is to have a young person step forward and make a commitment to what they want to do, the goals that they set, and what they they want to accomplish. Uh, For example, and two, I think it's also that stewardship that they build towards understanding and knowing what their role is in agriculture. Guys, without question, whether you're urban in the state of Oklahoma, uh, regardless of how you voted on the right to farm or whatever, I will also tell you that also brought to light to me how much that we need to continue to bring agriculture education forward in our area because there was some misnomenclatures that were brought forward in that that you could see people don't understand agriculture. And a lot of times they mention agriculture. You know, I even had somebody tell us the other day at a national end service, Quit talking about agriculture. Talk about farming. Now the buzzword is if you say farming, oh, that's an old tradition. That's an old respected tradition. And people say, oh, I understand farming. I get it. Agriculture is this you know, this other thing. It's the GMOs. It's all this other stuff. Yeah. But by the same sense, let's understand what all of those aspects of agriculture actually mean to our society and how that, the, that I guess that we promote those. Plus the fact we use young people to do that, the ones that's involved, they become employable and that they become useful citizens in our state. Well, that's great. Well, I think we're kind of reaching the end of our time here. I actually have to jump up. My son is testing to move up to his next karate belt here. And so <laughs> I can't miss there. that. I'm yeah. gonna, I'll get in trouble. If Let I, him kick if I, you in the shins yeah, really good. Well, he probably will um, <laughs> if I miss it. Um, but I've enjoyed I've enjoyed talking with you guys. And, and one of the things I would like to do, some, I kind of – this is kind of a tradition in the podcast, but uh, I want to make sure, is it okay if we pass along information to contact both of you? That way, if schools or community foundations have, have interest in maybe helping, jumping in, and, and learning more, uh, we can kind of point them your direction. You guys okay with that? Yeah. Oh, we'd welcome any of that. I'll Jack, sure do you, you have email? Do you know your email? You bet I do. <laughs> hey, we'll rock it out. Well, uh, yeah, so I'll make sure, and, you know, if you guys have questions, feel free to call these guys. Uh, you know, call, the, call us at the Resource Center. We'll, we'll put you in touch. Um, but I, you know, I I always I looked this up while while we were talking. I always, when I think of agriculture, I think of that Thomas Jefferson quote. You know, agriculture is our wisest pursuit because it will, in the end, contribute most to real wealth, good morals, and happiness. That's that's always that quote that I come back to. And so, um, and I think that's a lot of what you guys talked about is that you know it's it's about it's about more than just in the classroom knowledge, but it's about you know knowing how to be a good citizen and, and really um, you know how to live in this world and make it, you know, on your own. So, uh, so I just want to thank you guys for your time and, and uh, you. appreciate you for, for coming on and want to thank everybody for watching and listening. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, thank you.